Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Center Point Fellowship Church, and I'm so glad you're with us for this next installment in our series entitled Living as a Believer in an Unbelieving World. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to some Christians who lived in the ancient city of Corinth. Uh, after he'd started a church there, a few years later, he received word that there were some misunderstandings, things they weren't getting right. And so he wrote them a letter, and he told them about some things they needed to get right. And today we're going to look at one of the topics that he wrote about, and it's a topic uh, that we entitle as Christians, spiritual gifts. What it simply means is, is that God empowers his followers to carry out the work that he's given us to do. And he does that supernaturally. He works in the, in the lives of all of us. If you're not familiar with that topic, you, hopefully you will be pretty well today. You'll at least get a first glimpse at it today, because Paul had some very clear instructions about what it meant to live according to the power of the Holy Spirit and to do God's will in that power. Uh, would you have a word of prayer with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I pray, Lord, you will bless our discussion. Lord, I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way and teach us what we need to know about spiritual gifts. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, to make sure we go the right way on this, uh, point one simply reminds us, oh, by the way, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring a pen to you. They'll be coming up and down the aisles, and uh, make sure you can fill those in. Point one simply says that believers live transformed lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a running start at our topic for today. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, but I'm going to go back to chapter 6 a little bit to remind ourselves what kind of people Paul was writing to. Whenever I talk about spiritual gifts and how God gifts us with abilities to carry out the ministry he's given us, a lot of people say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, um, I'm in a seminary. I mean, well, what kind of ministry could I be involved in? Well, I want you to know, none of the people in Corinth had been uh, to seminary either. In fact, they were pretty much a garden variety Christians. Here's what uh, we find out about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, commit adultery, or male prostitutes, practice homosexuality, are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy when you were made right with God by, the call, by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul was called by God to start a church in Corinth. Corinth was a port uh, where sailors from all over the world came in. There were temples to all sorts of gods and goddesses, including uh, Aphrodite. And um, she was the goddess of love and pleasure. And so there were at least a thousand prostitutes in the city maintained at all times. Uh, people to take advantage of those things. And so there were plenty of temptations and plenty of sins. And the people, and you saw the laundry list there, there were people who came from all kinds of sinful backgrounds. But they had come to Christ when Paul had presented the gospel to them. You know, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that he paid the penalty that I should have paid. He died so I could live. He suffered so I could go free. And Paul proclaimed that to the people in Corinth, and many of them believed and out of those believers, a church was formed. And he wanted to let them know and remind them of who they were. And that since they were a church now, God was going to help them carry out the mission he had for them right there in Corinth. Jesus had told his disciples and reminded them when they were kind of worried about him going off to heaven and leaving them. He said, well, no. I'll, he said, it's good if I go. I'll pray, pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And what Jesus reminded his disciples was the fact that the Holy Spirit is in us. God's Holy Spirit lives inside of us and changes us from the inside out. 
And that's why Paul could make a statement like this to the Philippians, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Would you read that with me, please? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. If you'd circle desire and power. Here's what's good. Here's the good news. This is, the good news keeps getting better and better. Not only can my sins be forgiven when I come to Christ, not only can I be assured that there is heaven awaiting me when I die, or an eternal relationship with God in heaven forever after I die, but while I live in this world, God's Holy Spirit will fill me and change me from the inside out, making me the person God always wanted me to be. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. That's our good news. So here's a life application. New life is possible through Christ, no matter who we are or what we've done. And then another letter to the people in Corinth, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so that's the good news we proclaim. It's the good news that was proclaimed to the Corinthians. It's the good news that we need to uh, claim here in the river region in Alabama. It's the good news we need to proclaim throughout the whole world. That Jesus Christ died on the cross to save sinners. That all we have to do is come to him and surrender our lives to him. We can't atone for our own sins. And not only will he forgive us, not only will he cleanse us from our sins, not only will he give us the hope, the certain assurance of eternal life with him, but he will send, God will send his Holy Spirit into our hearts and transform us from the inside out so we can live transformed lives. That's what happened in Corinth. Because you can imagine the bunch of ordinary people and Paul after he started that church, he stayed with them a while. Then he went on to start other churches. And when he wrote letters back to them, he said, now look, let me remind you of this. This is who you are. You used to live that way. You don't live that way anymore. You have transformed lives. And then he went on to tell them how they were supposed to carry out their mission together. And that brings us to point two. Believers are not only transformed in their lives, but they are gifted to carry out their mission through the power of the Holy Spirit. What's our mission? Our mission is to go and make disciples of the whole world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's your mission. He told them elsewhere in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling them about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you'd circle the word power. These were ordinary people that Jesus spoke to, ordinary disciples. And the people Paul was writing to were ordinary disciples in Corinth. And he said, hey, if this work is going to get done in Corinth, this is where you are. And the Holy Spirit will give you the power. He transformed your life. And now it's important for you to understand God has a mission for you right there and you need to accomplish it together, and he'll empower you to work together to get that done. So that brings us to point A. God gives us spiritual gifts so that we can build up his church. The plan for reaching a community is a church there. People who have come to Christ, who've had their lives transformed, well, they're the perfect people then to reach out to friends and neighbors who live in that community who still need to be transformed. They're the ones who can present the gospel. They know the language. They know the culture. They know when the garbage is picked up. They're the people there who live there. And so Paul says, God's going to gift you guys to get the work done. Now about spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 
Just picking out a couple of verses here, verses 1 and 7. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And if you could underline the word manifestation, then I probably won't have you circle or underline anything for a while. Okay, but manifestation. When you and I come to Christ, the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. He saves us, changes us from the inside out to make us the people he wants us to be. And then in addition to that, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in our lives and give us gifts so that we can get the work done as we work together. A church is a group of Christians working together in any location that God has called them to. And you can always wonder, well, how does a church get organized? I mean, people asked me that when we started Centerpoint. They said, so you're going to have a, 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 a church that starts out in Prattville and it's going to have extensions to go to all these communities? Yeah. They go, well, where are you going to find all the leaders and the teachers and the, and the people who get all the work done? I go, oh, I don't know. And they go, what do you mean you don't know? I go, well, I haven't met all of them yet. God's going to bring them in. And as God brings them to us, the Holy Spirit is going to manifest himself and we'll know, oh, that's the person there because that person will go, I'm willing to go. That person's going to be identified clearly because God will stir up in their hearts and say, and God will lead them to go, hey, I want to do this. And that's what happens. Over and over again, I have people that come to me and they go, John, I don't know. I mean, I've been a Christian now. I've been reading my Bible for a while. And this is kind of the strangest thing. I've never been like a small group leader or something, but I really feel like God wants me to lead a small group. I'm not trying to brag on myself or other things. I, I mean, I, don't, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I think God wants me to be a leader. And they'll think they're bragging. And I go, you're not bragging. You're doing the right thing. And they go, so I'm not crazy? I go, well, not any crazier than the rest of us. And they go, well, that's not very much comfort. But anyway, uh, but no, you're normal. This is what it means. The Holy Spirit will stir us up. That's why some people are stirred to step up to do things they've never done before. Going on a mission trip. And their friends go, wow, you're going? Yeah, why? (laughs) This is something God wants me to do. I mean, we pray for that all the time. I pray for it all the time that God will stir us up and get us busy doing his will. And so he is doing that in each one of us. And the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in different ways. You'll see that as we go through these scriptures here. Peter talked about this too. He said, look, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I mean, wouldn't it be helpful if you were going on a backpacking trip and then some friends of yours, somebody gave you a backpack and somebody else gave you a great pocket knife and then somebody else gave you a compass? That might come in really handy. Somebody else gives you a canteen. People give you what you need for the trip so you can have a great trip. Well, God calls us to go and make disciples. He doesn't just throw us out there. He said, go and make disciples and I will be with you always. I remember when I was a kid, my dad had chores for me to do. I grew up on a farm in Kansas. We had chores in the morning, chores in the evening. And I always brought this out when my kids complained about their homework that, you know, I, I had to crawl to school on my knees in the snow, uphill, both ways, okay? Um, I did bring out the fact that I grew up on a farm. We had chores every morning, every night. And wintertime, daylight savings, something like that, it got dark. When I was young, I'd still have to go out there and work with the cattle. Then I'd have a flashlight. And my dad would give me a flashlight. and need you to go get that done. And I'd hesitate and he'd go, you're scared of the dark, aren't you? I go, well, yes, sir. And he'd go, well, come on, I'll go with you. And he'd walk with me out there. Now, I still had to do the chores, but I wasn't afraid when Dad was with me. Well, now you get the idea here. Hey, I want you to go make disciples of the whole world. I'll go with you. 
well, how are we going to know how to do this? I'll empower you. Well, what if we don't desire? I'll give you the desire. Well, what if we don't have the right? I'll give you the gifts. Just go. Go. And that's really what Paul's talking about here. A bunch of ordinary people, just like us, living in a very sinful, unbelieving world. How are they going to get it done? Well, they weren't going to get it done by themselves. They were going to have to do it together. And he said, the good news is the Holy Spirit will gift you and empower you to get it done together. He gives us spiritual gifts to help us get the job done. Ephesians 4, Paul's writing about the same topic again. Now, these are the gifts that God, Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. So my job, the job of our staff, the job of our elders, our elders help us think through this all the time. What kind of structures can we put in place? What kind of training can we offer? How do we keep focused on training and equipping God's people? Because the staff here at our church are not hired to do all the ministry, and then you guys come and evaluate us. Well, that was good. Hmm, that's so good. That's not the point. The point is, is that as we do ministry together, the staff, our job, is to help train and equip you to discover, well, how has God called you to play? What gifts is God bringing forth in your life? How is the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in your life? And it's a wonderful, fun discovery. Because God wants us all to play. And that's where all the people are going to come from for all these different ministries that we start up. The Holy Spirit's going to stir in our hearts. And it's always wonderful to me when that happens. Point B, under point two there, 2B, the Holy Spirit distributes different gifts to each of us so that the church functions well. The pastors and teachers and evangelists, the leaders in the church help train us, but God gives different gifts so the church functions well. And Paul kind of gives another list here. By the time you see what he's written in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 and We'll get to some other passages. In Romans 12, we'll read those in a minute. You'll see there's a whole bunch of different gifts that God gives so the church will function well. To one person, this is verses 8 through 10 out of 1 Corinthians 12. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. The Corinthians were experiencing all these things, and they didn't know what to do with them. And apparently, some people were saying, well, you know, what I get from God is more important than what you get and other things. And, and they were having disagreements over this. And so Paul's going, no, there's one God who gives all this and he gives it to us so it'll function well. To one person, he gives them the ability to give counsel. And to another person, he gives them special insight into something. Now think how important this is to embrace this. Because you can imagine in Corinth, just like here, you could have somebody who maybe never went to college at all. And now they're in a, uh, a church in Corinth with somebody who has the equivalent of what we'd have a, who would have a PhD today. But God gives some special insight to this person who never went to college, and then they said, this person's wrong on this, and I need to point this out to him, but who am I? Who am I? I can't say anything. And Paul was going, well, no, 
This is so it functions well. There's wisdom you need to bring. Don't be afraid to speak up. And so what can happen is, is if we don't use our gifts and don't understand this rightly, then we can get in competition or we can feel unworthy. And if you keep that in mind, as we go through the next section, you'll see how Paul unpacks all this because God calls us all to work together. And God loves it when we do. When Christians are 17 and 67, when people are, when males, females, people who've been a Christian for six months and people who've been a Christian for 40 years, when we all work together on this, whether we have a college degree or a PhD or no special training at all, oh my goodness, God loves it. And God brings us together to get that done. Flip your outline over and you'll see a few more important considerations on this. It's important to note the top of the second page there. The Holy Spirit is the one who decides which gift each of us receives. I don't vote for it. You don't vote for it. The Holy Spirit does this, and he arranges people inside the church exactly as he wants them. It's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. He alone does. And so it's really a question of discovering what we have, and not getting in competition about it. In fact, that brings us to point three. Believers see themselves as necessary parts of one body, of Christ's body. Paul says you've got to think of the church more like an organism than an organization. It's, it's a body. It's, a, it's the body of Christ on earth. The human body has many parts. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. Human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. If the foot says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, well, how would you hear? And if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. And see, that's the problem if we don't realize that God is gifting us and God is empowering us for this, we can say, well, I'm, I'm not a hand. I'm not a, of the right social class, or I, I don't have enough education, or I don't have enough experience, or you know, I, the gift I have isn't important. Well, there's all kinds of gifts. He goes on to say, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and at least important are actually the most necessary. And God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members can care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. And all of you together are Christ's body, a body and each of you is a part of it. And God wants us to see ourselves as part of the body. And we each have a role to play. Now, the funny thing about human nature is we tend to overestimate how much we can do on our own, and we tend to underestimate how much we can do together. None of us is that capable on our own. And God makes sure that we work together by distributing the gifts how he wants them distributed so it'll help us to harmonize. It'll help us to depend on each other. There are certain things I'm good at doing because God has stirred that up in me. There's other things that God has called you to do. They're all important. Uh, and the people in Corinth struggled with this stuff. People who are doing the thing that I'm doing, they're standing up front, well, that must be the important position. 
But somebody else who'd been serving and gotten everything ready for their meetings, well, that wasn't. Well, they're all important here. And the people who are watching kids in a nursery on Sunday morning are terribly important to the message being proclaimed right now where I am so that parents and everybody else can focus on what's being said. If the people who are running the sound aren't doing their job, then I, that was a joke and it didn't work out very well. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, but it's true. If the people don't do this, the sound thing, well, then you won't hear what I'm saying. And so all of us together can make things happen, and we can do much more together than we ever could by ourselves. And that brings us to a life application. You and I must not compare ourselves to other believers. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Yeah. And if we do that, life gets good if we mind our own business. And we just do the best we can with our own lives. This is what God wants for us. In his grace, Paul wrote this in Romans 12 as well, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take your responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So what's he saying? Well, you put all this together. If uh, you have the ability to give wise advice, give wise advice. If God's given you the ability to lead, lead. If he's given the ability to teach, teach. Make the most of what you have. How is the Holy Spirit stirring things up in you? And this is what he's after. So that we all participate. Because remember where we started here. The Holy Spirit works in our lives to transform us. But that's not the end. Just to get us saved, he's got things for us to do here. When I was in college, I remember this was the thunderclap moment in my life. I had been a part of a college ministry and we would meet on Thursday nights on campus and I'd been going to these Thursday night meetings for a whole semester. I'd been reading my Bible every day. I got in a small group and they taught us how to read our Bibles and journal and have quiet times. And I had like 31 days in a row and I was convinced I was going to earn a free microwave in heaven. I mean, you know, I was, I was doing well. Okay. And I was just so happy. I think I was sitting on the front row at this college meeting because man, I was living the victorious Christian life. And then a guy came in and talked about all this to a bunch of college students. And, and, you know, and he reminded us that college students are, tend to be kind of self-absorbed anyway, which now that I have some is interesting from the outside. But anyway, uh, but the idea is that he goes, he said, some of you here have been reading your Bible every day and you're coming to this worship meeting once a week and you love Jesus and you're so glad he saved you and you think, wow, I'm, I'm good. And he goes, there's a whole nother level that you haven't even begun to taste yet. He goes, God didn't just save you so you could be saved and sit around for the next 60 years till you die. He saved you so that now you can be a part of his body to reach the rest of the world that's unsaved. Somebody reached out to you, now you can be a part of Christ's body to reach others. And it's like, Mind blown. The whole idea of coming to a church is, do you know that God 
not only wanted to reach you, but he wants to be involved in your life. He wants you to surrender your life and your opportunities to him so he can reach out through you to other people. If he's called you to be a part of this church, he has plans for you. He's gifted you. He can use you as a part of his body and together our reach can go so much further than we could ever go by ourselves. Can you imagine that? Like I said, I mean, that was just this thunderclap moment for me. Because everything up to that point had always been just about me. And then I realized, oh, it's not just about me. It's about all these other people too. And it's about my unbelieving friends and neighbors. Yeah. And when we work together, God can do amazing things through us. And so he'll transform us, he'll empower us, and he will gift us with what we need to get it done. So the only question is figuring out, well, what's my role to play? Which brings us to a life application. Here are three ways to discover our spiritual gifts. If you don't know, first way is to pray. If you've never thought about, hey, God, what do you want me to do? How have you gifted me? Well, then you and I need to pray about that. The Bible tells us, James says in James 1.5, we need wisdom, we're to ask God, and he'll gladly give it without criticizing. So we need to ask, we need to pray. Before we leave this service today, we'll pray about that. Secondly, we need to serve. Easiest way to find out what your spiritual gift is, is serve somewhere in the church. I mean, really, just serve someplace that's interesting to you, because as you serve, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in your life. One of our setup crew here in Prattville on uh, Sunday mornings come in at 5 or 5.30 and set stuff up so we can have worship here. Well, one of the guys there is a gift of hospitality. I know that because on the week when he serves, there's always donuts for the whole crew. And why, are, why do we have that? I asked one time, who brings those? And they said, well, this gentleman does right here. And he goes, well, it just seemed like it would help us all serve a lot better together. You find out that he does it, and now everybody wants to serve that week. But, but the point is, is that... Uh, the point is, though, is that hospitality was something that you find out he's good at all the time. We can find somebody who is a uh, great teacher, and even if they volunteer to start serving as an usher, we find out they're a teacher because they're organizing usher training classes. And we have some of the people best educating in ushing in the world. Here's our little usher guide. Somebody has a gift of administration. They volunteer to serve pizza for students on Wednesday night. And all of a sudden now we have gone to three serving lanes, and we can get everybody through in seven minutes and 12 seconds. And all of a sudden, we start realizing, wow, there's giftedness in here. And you ask them, hey, why'd you get involved in all this? I just really felt like this is what God wanted me to do. And then when we realize the gifts, when we can say, well, if they also have a gift of leadership, how, could you lead some others? Could you help us over here? And as staff and the elders of our church, this is what we're always praying for, that God would help us recognize leaders. The Holy Spirit is working in us. So if you and I want to know where to serve, you have no idea where to serve, by the way. Inside of your bulletin today is just a list of all the opportunities for you to serve this next year by category. And there's a little tab, a little tear-off tab. You can tear it off. You fill this in and drop it off either this week or next week. We'd like to know where you, where you feel like God wants you to serve. And we're confident that as we do that, that God will show us where he wants us. The Holy Spirit will manifest himself in our lives. 
And how will we know that? Well, that brings us to the third way that you and I can recognize what God's doing in our lives, and that's through affirmation. Other believers who are serving God, other believers who have the Holy Spirit in them will affirm what God is doing in our lives. I was in that Bible study. Felt like God was calling me then. Well, I need to do more. I mean, I need to respond to something. Well, if I had an opportunity, would I be willing to help lead a group? And so, sure. So I signed up to help lead a small group. And then as we got through the small, got going in the small group, the leader would allow me to lead some lessons. And every time I did that, the rest of the group would go, hey, you ought to lead more. You're a good leader. You ought to lead your own group. And so the next semester, I led my own group. And eventually that led to one night, uh, on a Sunday night, I was asked to teach a lesson at a small church. And after I finished that, there were people that came forward and one elderly lady came up and said, young man, you need to be teaching God's word. You have a gift. Okay. And so followed that. And sure enough, every time I did that, I got affirmed over and over again. That'll happen to you too. Now, I also want you to know that my wife and I, when we first got married and we had kids, we volunteered in the nursery and had people that worked at the nursery there that uh, affirmed that I was not called to nursery ministry, okay? <laughs> we want to affirm that you should teach adults, not here. I mean, that'll work too. Because as you're in a relationship with people, they'll go, hey, John, this isn't your strong suit. This is. We believe this is what God's calling you to do. Stick with that. And that's the way he wants us to work. Now, remember where we started again. Garden variety sinners in Corinth. People living as believers in an unbelieving world. How are you going to get it done? How are a bunch of sinners going to get organized in such a way they're going to successfully present the gospel to people all around us? How are we going to get the right people and the right mixture here so that there are teachers and leaders and people pray with people and give wise advice and all the other stuff here? God's going to bring, that, bring people together that way. And he's going to stir up in us. He's going to manifest himself in such a way that it all works together. Our part is just to keep following him. And if he calls us forward, to step up. To go. I'll go with you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Paul says the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in your lives. He'll distribute the gifts as he sees fit. Don't compare yourselves with others. Don't think you're a big shot if you have one gift. Don't think you're not worthy of it if you have a different gift. God's the one who makes us worthy. And that brings us to the last point. Paul kind of talks about this. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians 12. This is the first part of 1 Corinthians 13. It's important to remember that believers understand that spiritual gifts are worthless if we don't love each other. If we're brought together and somebody's in a spiritual position and they go, well, I'm in this position, and um, I remember when I was young and stupid like you were, or other things like this. That doesn't help anyone to talk about how great I am. Paul uh, put it this way. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 
He's reminding the Corinthians what Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. You want to live as a believer in an unbelieving world? Well, believers embrace their spiritual gifts, but they understand that without love, it's worthless. It really is true that people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And God wants us to care for each other. He's gifted us. He's empowered us. The Holy Spirit is working inside all those who've come to Christ and surrendered their lives to him. It's just a question of discovering where we are. If you will take some time, I'm going to pray about this. I want to pray that God will guide us where he wants us to serve. And then he'll guide us as staff and our elders that we will pray, that he'll show us as we pray and lead how to identify who goes where. We'll help you. And we can do this together. Somebody asked me a long ago, they said, what's it like uh, building Centerpoint? I said, well, it's kind of like a 10,000-piece jigsaw puzzle without the box. (laughs) You don't know what the final picture is supposed to look like. And so as we put the pieces together, it's really fun to see them come. One piece at a time, sometimes a big clump. And it's fun to see what God does in people's lives. I hope you're encouraged today. God has a wonderful adventure for you. The one thing we must not do, though, is not go and not step out and not pray. We must pray. We must serve and then affirm each other when we see God working in people's lives. So I'm going to pray about those things right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you that you have called us to a mission. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us new life through Christ. You have given us your Holy Spirit, and you are transforming us from the inside out. I thank you, Lord, for that. I pray that you will do amazing things in and through each one of us. I pray that you will help us embrace our part of the puzzle, our part of the body. And Lord, that we will put our uh, minds together and our muscles together, that we'll put our resources together, and we'll do the things you want us to do. Please give our staff and our elders clear direction on how to organize things and who needs to be where, doing what. And then help us to go with courage because you're going to go with us. Help us not be afraid. In just a moment of silence right now, would you pray that God would make clear to you what your role is to be in this church? How he's empowered you, what he wants you to do. Ask God for wisdom and say, would you make that clear to me, Lord? What do you want me to do with the rest of the days I have on this earth? How can I play? Father, I pray that you would make it clear to each one of us where we can serve this next year. And we do our best with a good attitude. And I pray, Father, that um, you would give us affirmation, that we'd affirm one another. We'd affirm where our strengths are. We'd also affirm, yeah, I don't think that's going the right way. I think you need to be over here. That we get honest with each other. So we can each find the very best place for each one of us to serve. It's the kind of church I want to be a part of, Lord. Thank you for the time together. Thank you for Paul writing this wonderful letter. Thank you for instructions about things that are so important. 
But we could never get this done on our own. We don't have to. Lord, we have each other and we have your Holy Spirit inside of us. You're the one who will guide us and empower us. And Lord, we give for that, we give you thanks. Thank you for the gifts you've given us. Help us to embrace them and to use everything for your glory. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray these things together. Amen.